guys. Welcome back to another episode of the DMOB Sports Podcast. Uh, on today's episode, we'll be talking about the 2001 Mariners um, and kind of how that team was assembled, how that team uh, performed in the 2001 season, and kind of the downfall of uh, what was to come after. But uh, more importantly, uh, me and my co-hosts, uh, Dion and Trey, we'd like to take a moment at the beginning of this episode to kind of discuss and talk about what's been going on here um, in Seattle in terms of uh, the protests and um, on a broader note, uh, the U.S. as a whole. And uh, I want to give the floor to Dion and Trey first just because um, this is something that directs them or affects them directly um, in a major way. So um, I'm going to go ahead and give the floor to them and let them get the first thoughts on this. All right. Go ahead, Trey. Cool. Appreciate it. Uh, So, again, for those of you listening, um, if you haven't caught one of our previous episodes, uh, I am a black man. Dion is a Native American man. Um, And we've known each other since my brother since about second grade. And we... We talk about issues that press our nation quite often. We don't try to get too deep into things, but we try to figure out solutions and things like that. And we just figured we we start the episode with this. Obviously, it's being talked about, and it just feels weird to give a distraction um, and not discuss it. But for myself personally, it's just it's really hard. It's really sad at the same time to see what's going on. Um, it, it's really empowering to see the peaceful side of things, the protests, um, the part where the other races are all coming together to finally have a voice and speak for us, saying that, hey, man, enough is enough. You guys see how um, people of color and specifically black people are mistreated within the system that we currently have in place. Uh, and... I, I've been loving all the support that I've gotten from so many friends, uh, family, coworkers, uh, anything that you can think of where connections and relationships are built. I've had people reach out to me, let me know that they love me, and it's just a sad country slash world that we live in to allow something like this to go on. Uh, if there's one thing that I could say to people, it is that we can't change all of this in one fell swoop. It's, it's never going to just be a and the hero saves the day kind of moment now everything's fixed. It's going to take time, but I ask all of you to reach out to the people within your relationships and connections that you have with one another. You can really only change your personal community first and foremost before you change anything else. And I say that by reaching out to the people that you know and love and checking in on them and especially ones that you know might have connections with other people that they kind of just let things slide a little too often, those are the people that really need to talk sense into those people or at least expose those people for who they truly are so that other people are aware and more safe as well. Um, you can go ahead, Dion, and I'll, I'll let you get some, some more things. Um, <clears throat> yeah, seeing the, uh, the footage of, of black males, um, constantly being targeted on on social media on 
on the mainstream media, it, it, it's frustrating, it's infuriating, coming from a very diverse family. Um, my, my grandfather was black, my brother was black, my sister is black, my nieces and nephews are black. Um, amongst a lot of different other races, we're, we're, we're a good mix. <clears throat> uh, it, it hurts it hurts to see people like that look like my family, that look like my loved ones, constantly in, in bad situations. Um, being put in bad situations because of their skin color, um, being targeted by police, being targeted by a broken system. I, I, I was actually just talking to my fiance, Anna. She's Caucasian, and she, uh, I, I, we, we've had a lot of discussions over the past couple of days about like what's going on and um, me going out to the, to the, the peaceful protest march which was a, a really good experience, a really good vibe up until uh, it, it really wasn't. <clears throat> and we, uh, I got to explaining to her uh, the, the stereotypes, I mean, the, the oppression, the things that you go through as a, a person of color in this world, um, being followed around stores, being followed by Seattle police when I was a teenager, um, being handcuffed um, for no reason, having random people drive past past you while you're with your your toddler niece and calling her the N word. Um, it's and you don't you don't really speak about these these situations or these times where you're put in uh, a moment of trial because your skin color. And I've, I've never really spoke to her about that. And yesterday I had to explain to her and I had to bring up some situations from my past where this is, uh, this is what we go through as people of color throughout our lives. <clears throat> and it, it's really good to see um, all of us unite and all of us come together in that march. Every race, every creed, it was great to see people marching and being together. Um, unfortunately, uh, uh, unfortunately, it's not going to get fixed overnight. Like Trey said, Rome wasn't built in a day. It's a broken system. And to me, and I think a lot of people are confusing and switching up the narrative, the looting and rioting, which is is going to come with any protest. Um, unfortunately. But I think the narrative has to stay on the situation of George Floyd, Floyd's life being taken by the cops and getting those other three cops uh, prosecuted and charged um, and sentenced. I think that it's, <clears throat> it's not going to be over even when that happens. Um, it's not going to start getting right until the cops change themselves. They have to police themselves. The police have to police themselves. It's a broken system. And until cops can come out, and I know there's a lot of good cops out there. I have friends that are cops. And yeah, I have, I have some friends that are cops. And I and there's, there's, there's cops out there of color. There's black cops. There's Mexican cops. There's, there's East Indian cops. There's, there's not one person. There's just not one type of people. But the thing is, is like, 
the way the system has been brought up that they get put in these positions of power, but positions of power have always protected those of people that are not colored. They always protect those that are behind the badge. So until the police can can weed out their own bad those, those bad guys, or the system has a, a way of of coming up with new police officers that get rid of those those bad guys, that's when that's what what has to change is that system. Uh, so yeah, I just got word from a good friend of ours, uh, Tannen, that we actually now have an 11 p.m. statewide curfew uh, that everyone must follow. So you must be in your house by 11 p.m. Uh, because I am now guessing that cops will be patrolling our streets. So um, everybody just be safe. Uh, I can't, I don't really know what else to tell you other than be safe and be smart. Again, it doesn't get fixed in a day. So take it day by day. This is chess, not checkers. Don't just jump at your first move, first opportunity you see. You can take advantage of something. This is, this is the point of all of this. The point of all of this is equality. The point of all of this is change in justice system. Um, and it is uh, empowering to see other countries actually pulling for us as well, places like England, um, which you wouldn't even assume or expect that to happen. But when things happen, you just have to... Uh, take it for what it is and 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 love the love. This is literally a battle of love versus hate. And when I spoke earlier about the relationships and the connections, uh, that is a strong message to police officers as well because those are relationships that I, I know cops personally. Uh, a couple of my friends are cops, and I know that they're not bad apples. I know that they're not, and at the same time, they work within the system and within the force of other guys where they might have heard of somebody, they might know someone themselves, but they are in position to make change and that is what is expected of them. And that's just the, the thing. People have to speak up, people gotta stop being afraid and people just gotta understand this this is gonna come with this lick. So if you're if you're willing to dish them you gotta be ready to receive them too, but just be smart about everything that you're doing. And that's all I can really say. Uh, yeah. What's your, your perspective on this call? And I, I should ask, as an, um, as an Asian American with a lighter complexion, um, I just am curious what your side of, of all of this is as well. Yeah, so um, to build on what you were saying there, um, I, I'm Asian, um, I'm lighter in complexion so i'm not a you know on the darker side of uh the spectrum that we asians can be on but um i i find that i'm probably somewhere in between i'm i'm not white so i don't like i'm not afforded the same privileges yeah. i don't think but i'm also not black i'm not brown i'm not i'm not somebody who will ever understand what you or dion uh will go through in your personal lives so what I say, I can never draw on from personal experience because I just don't have it. I think um, when it comes to certain stigmas that are built around African-Americans here in America, I think the opposite can be said of um, Asian-Americans. You know, you don't you don't see Asian-American people get profiled like that. So I, I absolutely have no 
no experience and I have no relate relatability in terms of uh, what you guys go through. With that being said, I think for people like me and um, Caucasian people who obviously um, are afforded um, white privilege, you know, it's it's almost a crime, if not even worse than that, if you don't speak out about things like this. If you if you keep your mouth shut and if you just kind of play the role of the bystander, you're really only feeding into the evil and the culture that is being built here in America. And I don't, I don't think that's okay. And, um, especially with the protests and stuff and how people are trying to flip the narrative and say, you know, Oh, like riots and looting, all this stuff going on, you know, it's bad, blah, blah, blah. Well, my response to that kind of is, well, what other option really is there? Um, and I kind of posted a thing on my, uh, socials about my thoughts on that. And, um, I'll read it right now. It's, uh, so I said, uh, in response to violence, isn't the answer. Then what is, do I support the lootings, uh, and et cetera? Absolutely not. But when you are antagonized for no reason, when you're instigated into doing things by corrupt law enforcement, when your peaceful protest falls on deaf ears, what else can you do? If this is what it takes to get a discussion about change started, I hope states across America continue to riot, albeit in a productive manner. It only takes an ember to start a fire, and if this is finally the fire that burns the ideas of racism and white supremacy out of people's minds, I will gladly watch America continue to burn. And um, I, both of you guys probably know uh, who Killer Mike is. He's an MC. Uh, based out in Atlanta and uh, the other day he came out with a really powerful and strong message um, in response to the death of George Floyd and I 100% agree with what he had to say on that like do what do what you got to do and say what you need to say everybody is afforded that privilege and um you know, for again, people like me who are kind of just standing by and doing nothing, that's not the right thing to do. Um, change cannot happen without people speaking up. And the less people you have speak up, the less things are going to change. So um, I've seen this a couple times on socials and... Um, it's not this term. I don't want to say this term as a like general blanket statement, but I think it really speaks uh, loud and uh, has a lot of power behind it. And it was something along the lines of, um, uh, what was it? It was like uh, white silence is violence. I think something like that. And, uh, it doesn't have to be white silence. I think the term silence is violence could just be um, the general message there. But to stand by and do nothing as um, our brothers and sisters here in America are being just murdered in cold blood by the people who are supposed to protect us in our daily lives is not something that you should stand for or stand by and 
be silent about? <clears throat> yeah, uh, they say silence is, silence is really loud. So um, definitely have discussions about all of it. Discuss it with your, your close friends. Your, it's not something that should go on deaf ears. It should be a topic that's discussed until it's right. And even when it's right, it should be discussed even more just because history will repeat itself if, <clears throat> if it goes, goes unforgotten or it goes forgotten. Um, I think one of the things I wanted to touch on was uh, the looting and, and all that stuff is um, personally for me, uh, being out there, it was not, not my time for something like that. Uh, I think this is a, this is in a, a, a baby stage, this, this result or this resolution, this, this change that we're trying to make is in a baby stage. So, uh, um, but I don't, I don't fault anybody for having that anger or expressing those feelings. Um, I would say that I wish I seen more, more direction, uh, especially in the Seattle protest. I wish I had seen a little bit more direction. Somebody with like a, a mega speaker, um, some some actual like direction towards the anger and the destruction of properties uh, throughout the whole United States. If you're gonna if you're gonna cause destruction to a property. Let it be a, a state-owned property. Um, you want to you want to do that to a cop car, all right? You want to do it to a state building, okay? Um, even <clears throat> major corporations, Target, Target was fine with it. In Minneapolis, they, they they tweeted out that they'll rebuild, they'll be fine. They just want to support what's going on. Don't don't hit your your local mom and pops, uh, small businesses. You're you're hurting. You're actually hurting um, people. You're hurting your community when you're doing that. Um, so I just if if you're out there and you're still fighting the good fight, uh, and you wanna you wanna show give it back to the man. I, I would definitely say focus your energy. Focus it towards something that's gonna that's gonna hit big corporate America that's going to hit the government. Don't, don't turn your anger towards your, your fellow citizen, your fellow brother. Yeah. Um, that's, that's the main thing that I usually love to touch on with people. I'm, I'm a very social person. I love to meet everybody. Um, I don't like to just be up in people's business, but I am very interested in what people are doing if they are willing to share, because I love to know my neighbors. And I feel like that's the, the main thing people should focus on. You gotta really see what's going around you in your own physical world currently. Are you seeing buildings being burnt? Are you seeing people get shot with rubber bullets? Are you seeing anything or any changes in actual people? And the reason I say you gotta get to know your community is because when you get to know people and you go be a part of the local events, uh, if you shop locally with business, you get to know the people that own the businesses in your area to even see what's, what's really needed for your area. Um, and again, to touch on what Dion said, large corporations aren't um, 
going to be too upset about those things. Of course, that's, that's some money out of their pockets. But at the end of the day, large corporations are made to to receive. Um, oh, sorry about that. I have a call. <laughs> I come from my mom. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I, I mean, Trey, uh, Trey came over yesterday, and um, we were talking last night, and we were just getting some things off our chest, and uh, it was good to see him. You back, guys? Yeah, that was, it was weird. I thought I ended her call <laughs> to keep talking, but <laughs> she ended up picking up. Sorry about that. Yeah, like I was saying, um, large corporations, they... They have resources that they buy for extremely cheap. They make extremely cheap quality items, and then they sell it within our communities um, solely to profit off of us, not necessarily to help, which to an extent they are helping because we are utilizing their their services. But if you can utilize the service of small business within your area, you build relationships, you learn community, you know the people around you so you feel that much more safe. But right now we're all boxed in our homes. Uh, with the fear of disease, with the, with the fear of riot, and with the fear of not knowing your neighbor that lives across the street, that might be another race because you think that they could be up to something, even though they haven't even shown that. It's because of the media putting these thoughts and images in your head that you might need to think this way up somewhere. So again, I just want to reiterate, get to know your community, get to know your neighbors, and by building that foundation, that it spills all of this anyways. Uh, it throws that notion out that um, you can't trust your neighbors. So even if it's from your, your doorstep or, or however you guys are doing it right now, make sure you're knowing your community just to see what people's minds are. And just talk sense to each other. Talk love into each other. And, again, not all cops are evil people. There are some bad apples, um, and they're just now finally – not just finally being exposed, but finally being seen, because a lot of this was happening so long ago, and even three, four years ago when Colin Kaepernick took a knee. I mean, he, he tried. So, this is next step. Yeah. I, I, uh, I wanted to touch on um, the cop situation. Uh, yeah, I'm, you're starting to see, like, there's, there's a lot of, like, um, media... Main, main sports media that uh, that shows all the rioting and looting and stuff, but they don't necessarily show uh, the parts of the the protests and people actually coming together. Because I feel like those those are beautiful images, um, like the cop being protected by uh, by protesters from other protesters. They surrounded him. He got he got uh, separated from his the rest of his officers. Um, Another one that I saw was a video from Flint, Michigan. A very poor, um, very, very tight-knit community because everybody knows each other there. But very poor, very, um, there's a lot of crime there. Crime struck in the area too because of poverty. Um, the cops actually marched with with people, with the people. Um, yeah, uh, that was, yeah, that was good. Uh, I was, I was sitting here earlier, um, the stuff that's going on in Bellevue. Bellevue, um, there's a lot of looting and stuff, but there's also protesters there. Uh, the sheriff of the Bellevue Police Department went out and 
was yelling at the at the at the protesters, but he was yelling that you are you deserve to be here. You have the right to feel this way. If you guys are peaceful, we are not gonna. You're more than welcome to stay. Uh, he just reassured the crowd, um, and he was basically how I would love to see um, all police stations, all officers of the laws, come out and just and acknowledge what we're feeling because I feel like that's that will de-escalate so much of the situations. Yeah, um, if you have any those situ like those problem situations. Um, I feel like just come out as as police departments. Come out and speak how you guys feel. If you guys feel like those cops were in the wrong and you want to do the right thing, come out and say it. Like the Bellevue uh, chief, he he said they're murderers. He he called them. He said that they all deserve to be in jail. Um, so I mean that's. That, that's really good to see. I, I want, I'd, I'd love to see more police, force, police department do something like that. Um, yeah. <clears throat> and again, what a lot of this is just kind of preaching to the choir because um, when we protest peacefully, those those chants and those shouts fall on ears that are open to receive that. Um, but when ears are deaf and they're shut they will not receive that message, which is why peaceful protests have not worked in the past. But it's always good to see that, uh, to spread the awareness and to, I guess, reignite the image in people's minds that this is still going on, regardless of if you guys turn a blind eye to it or not. Um, but then when we do become aggressive, that does make that that behind-the-scenes side of people come out again, the, uh, the races I speak of, that are within the justice system and outside uh, to get even more riled up and be a part of all the violence uh, that is going on as well. And we'll, we try to find tangible solutions. And more than anything, the only way I can say that still remains peaceful is, again, to get to know your own personal community and develop those relationships as best as possible. Um, it's hard to support a country that has this system built, that showed up and stripped um, a people of their land, being Native American, developing a system for themselves, and then bringing uh, people like myself over from another foreign land and forcing us through slavery to build the land and continue the system. So when people, a lot of people call out, um, you know, victim mentality. A lot of black people have victim mentality, which, I mean, I'm not going to lie, some of, some of us do that it is what it is. But we're not understanding is that the foundation of this country was built against us. And when we are put in positions, um, I have many black friends and family and myself included that try to use these situations to better ourselves as in the system and the country. We try to work with what we are given. And even when we continue to work with the things that we're giving and we're not giving the same fair chances, um, or that or our families or other friends that might have a slightly harder time are not given the fair fair chance of building their life and living their life um, according to the dreams that they put in front of themselves. It's just, it, it's bad, man. So, 
expect that all this pain and, and sorrow is going on, but it is very necessary for the betterment of the future and for our loved ones and children. Yeah. Um, I have a couple things I want to say. One, um, in regards to the whole police thing, I don't think um, we're ever going to get a really smooth, you know, friendly uh, to the people police system ever uh, until we do something about our, you know, the corrupt politicians in this country. The police are basically an extension of the politicians. They're here to police the general public and the people uh, for the one percenters and the people in power. So until we change something up at the very top, there's not going to be, unfortunately, change in that regard. And obviously, I think that's something we're all trying to build towards. So um, hopefully that is something we can achieve in the future here. But the bleak reality, I think, is that we're not going to get change um, in that regard until we do something um, about the people at the top. And with that, I want to touch on the way you can hurt all these people that are against the protest, against Black Lives Matter, against um, everything um, that is going on right now, is to, you know, get out and vote. Vote in this year's election. Vote in your local election. Vote in your state elections. You don't like the um, things going on in your state in regards of arrests. You don't like uh, this prosecutor. You don't like this police chief. Vote. Vote and change it. You uh, like I was saying earlier. You can't change. You can't change things without speaking up. You can't change things without taking action. Take action. Take responsibility, and get out and vote. And I will be the first to say, I totally took voting as a joke um, back in 2016 when. I first turned 18 and I could vote for the first time and I didn't vote. And now in 2020, I regret that more than ever. I regret not turning in my ballot. I, re I regret not marking anything um, in my forms because look at where we are now. Who knows if my one vote would have changed something. We will, you know, it probably didn't, but there obviously are probably a bunch of people like me. So all, all I really want to stress is that you got to get out and vote because if you don't, it's just, it's the same as being silent. It's the same as doing nothing. So, um, get out and vote, vote for, you know, your presidential candidate, vote for your governor, vote for your, um, state representatives, vote for your local government, all that good stuff. You have a say in everything. Exercise your right and responsibility to do so. Yeah. Man, isn't it crazy? You, you saying one percenters. Isn't it crazy how it's always one small group of people that uh, make it hard for the other people that are trying to get to the other side? So like the one percent people that got money, hurts the economy for everyone else. The, I won't say 1% of police officers, but the smaller percent of police officers that are clearly bad apples are the loudest voice 
when it comes to representation for police, so then people want to take it out on all cops. The same way that the smaller percentage of uh, African Americans that um, are criminals or however you want to put it are are part of uh, violent crime represent such a small portion of who we are, and I think that's a major part of this as well is that people love to blanket everything the minute. One person does something. I remember this quote I heard one time saying that um, you're only viewed as your loudest dummy. Meaning that when you allow the stupid people within the groups that you are a part of to speak up the loudest, that is how you will be represented. And if you're being loud, whether visually, whether you're actually speaking and saying something reckless, and the people that are represented by that same group, same culture, whatever it is, don't speak up and say anything. It's a silence that leads to these things. So, again, people, speak up. Point them out so that justice can be served the correct way and we can all get on with happy lives. The un- the unfortunate thing with the cop situation is that um, I think it's really hard for a lot of cops to, uh, you know, the good ones to speak out on bad things because, unfortunately, like I was saying earlier, it's a corrupt system. So when you have a guy that wants to speak out on inaction and, you know, uh, what's the word, like uh, infringements in the in the code or whatever that these, uh, fellow police officers are committing, they're going to get, um, they're going to get moved to like a different, uh, like part of the city or whatever. They're going to be given different assignments. They might even be fired over it. So for a lot of these good cops, it's, there's almost no incentive to speak out, which is really sad because I know that there are probably a lot of people who, want to speak up the moment they see something but they they're afraid to lose their jobs they're afraid to get assigned to more dangerous areas of the city or more dangerous patrols so exactly and that that's the police effect being that the reason why there is fear there maybe they are scared that someone might retaliate on them maybe they are scared they might lose their jobs and because of the squeeze effect since the economy is the way that it is, they might feel like they're not going to be able to find another job to support who they are. Whereas uh, a while back, that wasn't necessarily the stigma that was was scaring everybody. And that's why it's all fear right now. People are afraid to see what might happen next, which is the main reason people remain silent, whether they are a cop or uh, any other regular human being. I mean, even if you're in a gang, it's just, it's, gang mentality and that's what the police are now being viewed as because the ones and i mean it is very military structure the ones that the ones that how do i want to put this i feel like the way it needs to happen it's funny to use a football analogy but i feel like the way it needs to happen is like you know when you play football and someone gets a flag for um uh unnecessary roughness or something like a, a late hit type of penalty. Everybody on that dude's team checks that guy like nobody did. It's like, bro, why the hell are you hitting this dude after the whistle? What's the point of that? We're, we're up right now. They're, they're making a drive down the field. You just gave them another chance. Why would you do that? And I wish we could check each other like that because that's 
that's kind of how the world used to be um, before gunplay became such a thing because people would just fight with each other when people didn't agree with things. But once guns and other weapons came into play so, so tough the way that they are now, people get more afraid. And then I guess there's just more demons and fears out there for people to be afraid of. But with anything great comes sacrifice. I'm not talking about taking your life. I'm just talking about taking, doing something that makes you uncomfortable with not knowing what's on the other side, and that's called faith. That people need to find faith again and stop being so scared and monetizing and uh, making everything about money and finances and your well-being because that's the system we live in. We, we live in a very failed system. And that's for every person to understand and recognize. Got it off my chest. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I don't know. I don't know about you guys. I personally still feel like you know there. And again, I'm not. I'm not fighting the same fight you guys are. I'm. I'm trying to help you guys achieve the end result here. Like I'm not someone who's directly affected by this. And even though we got a bunch of stuff out there and we talked about a lot of stuff like I, I I still feel deeply hurt on like a emotional level by what's going on. And I, and I I think for a lot of us um, and I can't speak for either of you, but I probably know it's there for you guys as well. Like I, I don't think I will fully recover from, from this and these recent events for a very long time. Yeah. Um, uh, a couple things I want to speak on what you just said. Um, you are you are fighting the same fight. Uh, it, it may it may have a different look for you. Uh, you're still fighting the same fight. Uh, something I explained to Anna yesterday too um, is that when I first got to the the protest, uh, <clears throat> I got in. I got halfway through the crowd, and there was a a black lady, a young black lady out there screaming and hollering, and she was yelling, I need white bodies at the front. I need white bodies at the front. If you are white, get to the front. And I, 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 want, I told Anna, I was like, <clears throat> you're just as important as anybody else on that street for this cause. Uh, you... It, it, it's gonna, it's gonna, it's a, it has to be a united effort to get this change. So you, you guys are not affected by what's crippling the system, but you are just import, as important as all of us to fixing the problem. Then that falls on all of us. Um, <clears throat> um, I, I forgot what I was gonna say. Um, What else did you say, Colin? I feel like I had something else that I was going to respond on on top of that. Um, what what did I say? Uh, I I think I was talking about how um how uh, uh how how hard it was for cops to kind of speak out 
um, if they want to speak out. Oh yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, that's not what I was thinking about, but it, it is. It's 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 a system place uh, where if you speak out against your brother, that and under behind the badge, then I mean, you're you're an outlier and you get outcasted. But <clears throat> yeah, I, I think it's it's a, a united issue for all races and all colors to come against racism. It's, it's, something that needs to change and we people of color people of different ethnicities asian uh middle eastern um we can't do it without everybody so it needs to be a discussion that happens with everybody do we want to get into baseball let's do it let's let's transition to uh brighter time in Seattle when there was no coronavirus, when there was no uh, protests or anything going on in, in America like that, when times were more blissful and ignorant. Let's go all the way back to 2001. Or actually, let's go back a little little farther than that. Let's go to 1999. So we're going to talk about the Mariners – New GM at the time, uh, Pat Gillick, who in 99 trades Ken Griffey Jr. Uh, to Cincinnati during the start of the 2000 season after he gets hired. And they get back Mike Cameron, who ends up being an integral part of the 01 team. And then in 2000, um, A-Rod also had his contract uh, coming up. So they let Alex Rodriguez basically play out his contract and he becomes a free agent and he does not re-up with the team, although he helps them uh, to, I believe, a not a playoff. I think they got a playoff berth that year, but they didn't do much, if I recall correctly. But as Seattle has one star out, they get one of the, I almost want to say he's the biggest franchise legend, but... I have more respect for Ken Griffey than that, so I won't say that. But uh, they get Ichiro in that 2000 season, and he be- or for the 2001 series or season, I'm sorry. And he in that season becomes the first player ever to win an MVP, Rookie of the Year, the Gold Glove, Silver Slugger, and start in the All Star Game all in one season. Yeah, that is insane. Uh, man, that team was so iconic. I mean, just like looking back and watching videos and watching uh, this week's game and stuff, I, I was sitting there like, really like, this is how people are probably watching The Last Dance. This is, this is probably how people are feeling while they're watching The Last Dance. I, was, I had goosebumps. Man, it was insane. <clears throat> uh, you're speaking on each run. Man, that... I, it was so dope because the Mariners got like a leg up on like signing him. Uh, they had him in uh, an exchange program uh, with his uh, Japanese team um, about, I think, a couple months earlier before they signed him, and which was 
I think, essential in being able to land him. But he's definitely up there. I feel like if you think about, like, some of the most iconic uh, Mariners players of all time, he's got to be up there with Ken Griffey Jr., man. Oh, for sure. Um, Mr. Consistent, I mean, in a sport like baseball, he did exactly what you would want him to do. He got his hit. He did great in the outfield. Um, but becoming so young, from a different country, different style of, of baseball, uh, he got it figured out. And, and again, I wanted to, as we discussed before, my perspective on this is definitely more of uh, cultural perspective being that when I was young, I was not into baseball by any means. I mean, I, I played in the yard kind of thing. And in the neighborhood I grew up in, we were always playing different sports. We just loved competition, so we did anything to compete against each other. Uh, even though we didn't really play baseball like that, we had our time to do it. And the <laughs> I got older, that I realized how insignificant baseball was in a lot of people's lives. But during this time, Baseball was like the thing in the area. Everything was Soto Mojo. Uh, the Mariner Moose was dipping into everybody's elementary school. I still remember when he pulled up to our elementary school, handing out gift bags and just sharing different things. And it, it, it changed our community the way that any younger people are to be now uh, that were a part of uh, the Seahawks Super Bowl run. Um, something very, very similar to that where everyone came together. Even if you didn't watch yourself, you were still a part of it and you got to enjoy it. It's just amazing to see what, what this team was able to do and bring to this general area with the guys that they brought in. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, and um, for me, being, um, being a big, like, football junkie today and um, super big NBA dude, you rarely ever hear me talk about baseball but um baseball was definitely the first sport that i ever got into and it was because of ichiro um for a lot of people who uh are asian and like oh yeah yao ming is the reason i love basketball or you know the people that got so inspired by jeremy lin um when he had his little run in new york that was ichiro for me man that is why i have um an ichiro cookbook in my room somewhere i gotta i gotta find that thing but um, I have a little Ichiro cookbook. Uh, I have the most, uh, Ichiro memorabilia. I have like seven bobbleheads, uh, from going to games all the time. Uh, this man was such an idol to me. He was like, this, this, this was the dude for Asian Americans and being, especially for me watching him and being able to watch him because he played for Seattle was such like a mesmerizing thing because you in, in American sports, it, it's dominated by people of other races. So you, you hardly ever see somebody at like a hall of fame caliber level ever perform. That is Asian American. You know, the best thing you're going to get is like the Chinese basketball league. Probably if you want to watch something high level and Asian, but Ichiro was the first person to, really break that mold and that is why i love him um as much as i do and um someone like shohei otani who's doing it now for the angels i don't know if you guys know who otani is uh but 
Yeah. He he's another yeah, yeah, he's a bit another big inspiration for me. I fucking love that dude. I watched him in Japan the season before <laughs> he ended up picking um his MLB team and he was really close to picking Seattle too, but uh back to Ichiro man special 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 place in my heart. This, uh sorry, this team was so dope, man. I like I I I grew up playing baseball. I grew up playing just pretty much every sport, but um I played soccer a lot, played baseball a lot, played basketball a lot, played football. Um so like growing up in this area, um, growing up in the '90s, we had the '90s uh, Mariners, which kind of set the mood for the culture around here for the Mariners. Um, yeah. And then this team came along and it got built, uh, and it was just so special. Like we definitely were had contingents of like being contenders for the West, but. I don't think anybody necessarily saw this coming from this team. Uh, just consistently winning games. They, they didn't win. I didn't lose uh, a three-game stretch at all that year. Three games in a row. They didn't lose. Um, and you're sitting there as a kid, and you, you're you're so hyped. You got Soto Mojo going. <clears throat> and I would sit there and watch baseball games with a broom in my hand because <clears throat> this team was so good that they just swept so many teams. It was, it was such a dope dope team to watch because you had Ichiro from Japan, you had Kazuhiro Suzaki that was out there killing it too. And that was <clears throat> definitely played into uh, our area, which is heavily influenced by the Americans. So they see those, those, those Japanese and those other Asian uh, citizens come out and support those two guys. It, it was like Ichiro was Michael Jordan. Like, yeah. he, had, he had such a fan following. That makes me happy for you, though, Colin, um, that you did get to have that experience uh, for your people, for your community, because I, it's, always, it's always weird to me when people do make uh, things like that about race for whatever reason like they see it as like a, a negative stigma uh but i think it, it's really cool to take pride in your culture and where you're from who you are uh or someone that looks similar to you uh to be able to look up to that because that sparks a lot and i'm sure a lot of agents decided to play baseball after that or at least got more into it and that's another positive thing in their life to, to look forward to or, or to be a part of uh, so, no, I think Ichiro was transcendent in so many different ways, exactly how you said it with Yao Ming as well. Um, yeah, man, this, this old man is king. And it's funny that you guys say it, too, because I, uh, when, when we brought up the topic for this idea uh, of doing this specific season for the show, I 100% had in my head that Ken Griffey was on this on this team, and I, I definitely forgot that he was not. Uh, <laughs> it was really cool just to see how far they really went without those notable names. Uh, it's just crazy. I was a kid Griffey dude through and through. And again, I, I didn't even love, I didn't like baseball, but the way that Colin looked up to Ichiro, I looked up to Ken Griffey just because I knew he was doing something positive that, in that type of sport. And definitely during that time as well. It's just, I mean, 
it's just not necessarily a thing to be playing baseball when you're a black or a legend, I should say. Uh, we were definitely more focused on uh, football, basketball, and track. But, too, I kept the gold hoop in my ear because of Ken Griffey and because of MJ. Um, and Dion can attest to this, that uh, when I was younger, I had a, a stronger resemblance to a Ken Griffey Jr. And I used to actually have people buy me drinks at games because they thought I was Ken Griffey Jr.'s son. <laughs> and, of course, I went with that shit. <laughs> I had a lot of good times, a lot of good stories to tell about those times so. Uh, this man is seen from the late 90s and the early 2000s it was amazing time I was about to say absolutely nothing (laughs) nothing at all (laughs) it was terrible I I look nothing like Ken Griffey Jr.'s son people say when I smile I resemble Ken Griffey himself but with my name also being Trey, uh, anytime I like did introduce myself to people or people did for whatever reason think that I was his son uh, and then they didn't believe me, I like kind of go off into the distance and then you hear them yell from afar like, Trey! And of course I'm going to turn around because that's my name. So then they're all like, oh shit, that is him! Let's go get him a drink! And, then, <laughs> and it was just his own experience like at the Pyramid Beer Garden and and stuff like that. Like, even at the stadium, as diehard fans as you are, uh, for you guys to really think something like that. And it wasn't even like I was putting it on them. It was coming up. It was just happening. So The trailer looks more like... You said what? The trailer looks like more, more like Brett Boone than he does Trey Griffey. I was going to go with uh, 21 Savage. I, I think you guys have like a... Meme of Trey. Oh, uh, <laughs> Twenty One Savage meme. Oh man, uh, I'm glad you said that because I was about to tell you to tell uh, one of the one of the Trey Griffey stories. What you say? No, I said. Uh, I said I'm glad you said you like talked about that because I was gonna tell you to talk about a Trey Griffey story because I didn't think you were gonna mention it. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, it just it's terrible. The time period, it was just it was a fun time, man. I even right. I had to buy me a drink even in Vegas. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. Oh man. Yeah. You had the table, five people just eating it up <laughs> at the at the, at the pyramid, and I was just like. I was so mad just shaking my head. I'm like, are you guys serious? <laughs> <laughs> and you know me too, like, I, I just leaned into it because I was like, man, if you're going to say it and if you're truly going to believe this, why don't why don't I just poke some fun with you guys? Like, you know, why not? Let, let's have some fun and then, of course, I'm going to let you know by the end of it, but they were just worth uh, a word pleasure at that time. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. Who, who, I, I feel like Growing up with this Mariners team, uh, I definitely have to like scour the um, the picture out. But I definitely have a, a this really dope picture of me and my sister Asia, um, and it was down in uh, kind of by first base, down those lower seats. So my mom got some tickets from her boss at the time, and <clears throat> it's just really dope because like we didn't really have uh, any like memorabilia. So we just put these white t-shirts 
and we wrote all of Sharpies. And I have this picture somewhere. <clears throat> but the Galactic Games back then were was so much fun. I, I loved uh, Mike Cameron playing baseball <clears throat> when I was younger. I'd always tilt my hat, my, the brim of my hat, just because of Mike Cameron. <laughs> uh, that's real. Yeah, man. The, the uh, Kingdom back in the day was filthy. It was just a small, intimate uh, dome, uh, arena, whatever you want to call it, that they played in. And I still remember, what, what year was that? Was that fourth grade, third or fourth grade we were in when they demolished it to start the new one? Um, let's see. I think. I was pretty young. First season. Yeah. I think the first season that they were in Safeco was like 2000 or 99, if I remember right. Okay, yeah. Yeah, but I also remember being really young and attending a, a Manners game in the Kingdom. And uh, I didn't know how to act because I don't remember who was at bat, but they hit a home run. And the ball landed like on the stairs, maybe three rows in front of me. And uh, my mom was just screaming at me, like, can I go grab the ball? Can I go grab the ball? And I'm looking around like, what? What, <laughs> what am I supposed to do? <laughs> and some, some man ran over there and snatched it up. And my family was so upset with me. <laughs> so, like, bro, you're the kid. And you're supposed to know you, that's why you have this love. If you're not going to go catch it, then at least go and grab the ball. It's within arm's reach. But that's just one of those situations, too, where I was just deer in the headlights. But... <laughs> Still had a blast with the garlic fries and everything else that came with it in the kingdom. But I'm happy to say I got the experience that while it was still around. Hey man, first uh, first baseball game story here. I had garlic fries my first baseball game. I made the mistake of eating all the fucking apples first before we ate the garlic fries. <laughs> so it's just garlic fries after. Okay. That's not even a part of the meal. That's just it. Bro, that's for your breath oh after. Yeah. <laughs> So my cousin like looks, he, he's like looking at the little tray and he's like, where'd the, where'd all the apples go? And I'm like, well, I just ate them all. He's like, nah, dude, our breath is about to be hella rank. You're supposed to leave those at the end for our breath. And I was like, oh shit, my bad. <laughs> Man, that's what my boys would do. They take a bite of the fries. And be like, that's too spicy. And they eat the apples and then be like, I'm hungry. <laughs> Bro, what's up with you? Yeah, garlic fries right here, but eat that. Yeah, uh, the first, the inaugural game at Safeco was uh, July 1999. Hey, I didn't realize Safeco was really around for that long. It's been 21 years. Yeah, it's been, it's been forever. Hey, it's such a great venue. I love I love Safe Culture to this day. I, I think that's the best thing about um about the Seattle culture of like baseball. Unfortunately, um after that two thousand one season uh, going into two thousand two, we still made the playoffs that that next year, but we haven't been back since and it's kind of uh, left this whole area in like a lull for base. And you'll see um the moment that the Mariners start, um, unfortunately, we haven't had a, a good season in a long time. But the moment that um, the Mariners actually start playing good and winning games, you'll see that culture like jump right back into it. You'll see the stadium get filled again. Uh, it's unfortunate that we can't, as a team, uh, play a consistent 
uh, season. And I think the closest that we've gotten back to coming to getting back to the playoffs was uh, three, four years ago, three or four years ago. No. Where it came down to the last, the like, last uh, little bit of the season, and we were one game off. It was like it was like 2014. Yeah, we were one game off. It was like 2014 yeah, or 15. We had, uh, we had Robinson Cano. We had uh, what other big name guarding at that time? Uh, dude from the Yankees. I cannot remember. Oh no 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 uh, no 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 um the the uh, Dominican dude who hit all the home runs. I cannot remember his name for some reason. No, that was Robinson Cano. I'm talking about the um. No, Cano was from the Yankees. No, 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 no. Cano was from the Yankees. Uh, I'm talking about the, like the Dominican Dominican dude, like the like. Or was he Puerto or Cuban? I can't remember. I don't know. Like some Puerto Rican dude. He's Puerto Rican or Cuban. He wore 23. I cannot remember his name for the fucking life of me. That's not Nelson Cruz, are you? Nelson Cruz, Nelson Cruz. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, Nelson yeah. Cruz. Yeah, Nelson Cruz. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Uh, we, were to, yeah. we had to get the team in for like a week straight. They were one game off, and they could not seal the deal. Um, and I was so ready for that sort of mojo stuff to come back. And it, it just didn't, man. Honestly, it, it, it's... it's, it's um, it's frustrating going into every season. Every season, it feels like everybody's so pessimistic. Um, and I'm still a big Mariners fan. Like I, I, I love going to the games. I love rooting for them. I love watching them. It, it's painful to watch them sometimes because um, I, I grew up with my dad. If, uh, when we'd watch games, even if we were losing, we'd still watch it. If we were getting killed, we'd watch it all the way through. So I'm still that way. When I get down and I like watch a Mariners game on TV, I have the chance to get to watch them. Even if they're getting like smacked up, man, I still watch the whole game and it's so painful. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, but um, I, I I definitely like to listen to Mariners games on the radio. Just kind of in the background while I'm doing stuff. I feel it's very tedious for myself to just sit and watch. Uh, a Mariners game. I could sit and watch a really good primetime baseball game because I think the presentation of it is just that much better too. But uh, it, it's just more enjoyable. But when we're just tuning into root sports and it really is like eleven to two <laughs> and at the top of the set, I'm like, man, yeah, I'm good. <laughs> I'm not watching this. I'm definitely uh, fair weather when it comes to our baseball team. Uh, but I do. We have a tradition to go to. Opening year or opening day, uh, five years in a row now. So that has been a tradition uh, for us, and that is something that I do look forward to throughout the year. So um, I do love the Mariners uh, in that aspect uh, for the event, and I would like to get more into into baseball, but it's kind of hard, especially to start with the Mariners. Yeah, a um, couple things. One, probably probably no opening opening day this year. Uh, unfortunately, with the way that things are going around, I think they're coming back to play yeah. without fans. I uh soon. I have to like look at uh the reports again, but they they should be coming back soon. I think they just laid out some uh, groundwork and stuff, so they have all their um conditions set and everything. Um, two. I can't really relate to watching 
the Mariners lose like that because I was a big Red. Even though I did love Ichiro, I was a big Red Sox dude. So I'm a Red Sox fan through and through. And we do have our shitty seasons, but we have uh, also we also have our good seasons. Um, the only thing, the closest thing I could compare yeah. to that is like watching the Sixers play basketball during that whole Tankapalooza season, where we tanked for like Embiid. That was that was one of the worst like fandom times for me sports wise of all time. That was it was terrible. I hated I hated watching basketball so much that year. <laughs> Man, I, I I was in Philly um, to visit my friend Christina, and uh, with some of our other friends, we went to uh, we actually went to a seventy sixers game, and Embiid was hurt. But I went, I went to the game when uh, they were playing the Thunder and that fan got into it with, with Russell on the sideline. Oh. Both flipping them off. And I'm like, yo, what is going on? That was also when uh designer performed at halftime and pretty much had a seizure on stage just because nobody knew what the fuck he was saying. <laughs> what was going on? Still fairly new to the scene at that time. And... Uh, it was just such a weird experience, but uh, it, it was a good game. Uh, I can't remember who won that game, but it was a very, very close game toward the end. I want to Definitely the Thunder. Definitely the Thunder. I remember that game. Yeah. Definitely the Thunder. Um, <laughs> a couple quick points on the Mariners before we kind of wrap things up here. Uh, so, one, I forgot to mention this earlier. Um with the notable big names they had going out, they also traded Randy Johnson for three contributors, like three really good and big contributors to the 01 team that won 116 games. So they trade Randy Johnson to the Astros for their uh, the shortstop who would start for the 01 team, Carlos uh, Gillen, and uh, pitchers Freddie Garcia and John Halima. Freddie Garcia ended up having a really big impact with the 01 team. I think he was an all-star uh, for them. Yeah. The Mariners had seven all-stars in the 01 season, and uh, they kind of opened up the playoffs with a tough series against the Astros, but they ended up pulling through. And then they move on to the Yankees in the uh, ALCS game, and they... Um, they fight with them hard, but then by the time Game 4 rolls around, they lose on a two-run uh, home run, and then they just get pummeled in Game 3, or Game 5, 12-3. They didn't even put up a fight. Um, so then after that in 0-2, um, they lose a couple key guys. They end up trading their third baseman, David Bell, who was an all-star, I believe. Uh, but they, they got an all-star third baseman back from, I want to say Colorado. Uh, but then in 2 they also uh, make Brett Boone a three-year contract offer. And he doesn't, he doesn't want to extend with Seattle. He wants a longer-term deal. But they're only trying to hand out guys uh, three-year contract extensions at the time because they – were kind of so they were owned by Nintendo of America at this point. So their C the CEO um, of Nintendo, who's kind of running that team as like their owner in that aspect, was acting like it was a business. So he was making really uneducated like uh, front office type decisions. So he was offering people insulting deals and um, trying to go after cheap veteran alternatives and stuff. So. 
that is I what I would say is probably the major reason why the Mariners took such a brutal downturn in the mid 2000s. Yeah, that definitely makes sense. Um, and very often, too, the, the Mariners are more of a, uh, and especially at this point, they're definitely more of like a, a merchandise pusher than they are any form of contender or, or really, really good baseball team. Uh, the Mariners have a really big following, and especially an international following, uh, with Ichiro doing what he did years ago. Uh, but I would really love to see them try to make an, an actual push again the way that I feel like back in 2014 when they did miss the playoffs by uh, by one, I feel like they kind of like how the Seahawks did this last season. We didn't have high expectations. We were happy we brought these big names in, but I think that was more just to reignite the man of name than it was us making a true push for um, opinion. Any uh, any last thoughts, Dion? Is he gone? I think he might have dropped. Oh no! It says he's still in the call. Uh, Dion, are you on mute? No, I, I am on mute. I did not do that. I had to hit mute. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Hey, you know what? Hashtag technical okay, okay, difficulties. Like, We're leaving that in the pod, so enjoy enjoy that one, guys. Yeah. All right. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I gotta say, going uh, having that Randy Johnson trade at the time, uh, there's a lot of people that didn't like it, and it was kind of worrisome just because Johnson is Randy Johnson. Man, this guy is huge. He controls his pitch. He has speed. The unit, and he was a competitor. You know, um. But, like, going throughout that season, at being Carlos Guillen at, um, did we have him at shortstop or second base? No, they played him at shortstop. Shortstop, yeah. They had, um, um Carlos Guillen. They had what's his face, uh, Brett Boone at second base. And then Allroot at first. And then Bell at third. Um, yeah. And then having, uh, Craig Garcia as our ace that year man he, he tore it up I, I loved him he had he had my haircut back then he had like <laughs> the comb over with like the frosted tips uh, oh, man. hey man that looking back at that trip that combo of trade. garcia and sasaki was lethal fucking nasty that pitching rotation was fucking been... dirty man Yeah, and then Jeff Nelson, Jamie Moyer. Yeah, it was good. It was really good pitching coupled with timely hitting, consistent timely hitting. That that team was it's fun to watch because no one was like necessarily killing the ball out of the park, but just just base hit and running, uh, driving and run was the name of the game for the Mariners. Oh yeah, well you basically. One, you're bringing in a bunch of good bats already, and then you go ahead and they didn't know it at the time, but they brought in the most consistent hitter of all time. What? 
I, I was I was about to say, I was I was about to be deeply <laughs> deeply offended. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, I, I think I'm good as far as like I I like I I would love to see the Mariners come alive again. I'd love to have those experiences. Um, but hopefully, I know they they switched up GMs and throughout the years and trying to get that feeling back it just hasn't come back yet let me just say one thing as like a non-seattle fan and somebody looking out or in inward or what looking from an outwards position jerry depoto fucked up that franchise for a solid like eight years (laughs) like he um he did nothing to make the mariners more than a 500 team for the time he was there and they just switched up their GM this year too. So they're in like, they're, they're in rebuild mode again. So let's see if rebuild number 54 works out for them this time. I I mean, I'm hoping it does. I always love, um, good sports cultures, um, and good, good, uh, good sports teams here in the city. Uh, as I'm not a Seahawks fan, I always think it's dope to have the Seahawks be popping and, uh, see them succeed because the city, the city comes alive when you have great sports teams. So the Sounders are amazing right now, and the soccer community here in the city is uh, showing out for that. The Seahawks, since they won their Super Bowl, that has been a big um, kind of presence in this city. And the the cream, the cherry on top for the city right now would be for uh, the Mariners to kind of uh, come out of their shell and reclaim their spots as uh, Kings of the West. So I look, I'm, I'd be excited to see that the city would truly be uh, popping if that would ever to be happen. Just the parts that compete with uh, signal callers and trash makers. So, okay. <laughs> Yeah, no, that that was hard too, is because when the Seahawks did win their Super Bowl, um, it was around the time where the Mariners did almost make the playoffs again. So it just felt like a trifecta in the area, with all three of our major sports really potentially being able to take championships like that. And not too many cities have done that in the past. Uh, I can't remember what the most recent city was to do that. I want to say it was Boston, which would make the most sense, obviously, with Tom Brady and the Patriots and Everything else they got going over there, but their MLS team sucks. What was that? Their MLS team sucks. The they've only probably done that with the the hockey team, the football team, and the baseball team. Because their hockey team is okay, but I think Toronto Toronto might be the Toronto would probably be be the most recent one to have all three of their like sports teams win a championship i think yeah. no i don't i don't yeah. know actually one quick crazy thing is that for people that are listening i want you guys to know that how bad the manners either are or have <laughs> been for a while that we actually have more blue jays fans here than we have mariners fans because we are so close, <clears throat> excuse me, to Canada. I don't know if Canada just comes strong 
or we actually have a strong Canadian presence that lives here as well, because when the Blue Jays do something good in the stadium, if, you, if you've ever been to a Mariners game when they play the Blue Jays, it feels like we're at the way game. It's, it's that extreme. <laughs> but uh, it, it's, it's a weird, funny experience to, to be a part of as well that obviously you don't have the highest expectations for the Mariners to win those games. But it's always uh, just a fun time. Well, all right then, guys. Um, I think uh, I think we're gonna go ahead and wrap it up here. Um, thanks for tuning in and listening, as always. Um, we, there's been a lot of stuff going on, so this episode's coming out a little later than usual, and um, we'll we'll try go and go ahead and get everything situated for next week, but um, no no promises on that. Uh, so. Again, always thanks for tuning in and supporting. Uh, We really appreciate you guys. Uh, Stay safe out there, and um, we'll see you guys next time. Yeah. uh, Stay safe. Have have a discussion. uh, Meet your neighbors. uh, Everything comes back to life, and uh, we get to go to sports events. Make sure you get out to the Mariners consistently. Get cheap tickets and support support your local team. Uh, again, everybody that has been in support uh, for the black community, I truly appreciate um, all your words, all your tears, uh, the pain that you're sharing with us. Uh, it means the world. And just stay strong, everyone. Continue to make smart decisions. Um, don't feed into everything that you see or let it overcome you. And just continue to be great. Uh, and just a quick update, I asked, uh, I misspoke earlier, or I guess my friend misspoke. It's Seattle and Bellevue that are enforcing a curfew at 5 p.m. So it's not a statewide 11 p.m. It's a Seattle and Bellevue 5 p.m. curfew, which sounds mad early, but <laughs> it is what it is. So. Peace. I was a terror since the public school era. Bathroom passes, cutting classes.